1: I'm Sally Ganga of College Coach. Today for my second and third segments, I'll be answering listener questions about admissions and financial aid topics with my colleague, Alexander Gonzalez. Alexander is a college finance consultant here at College Coach and a former financial aid counselor at the University of Portland. Remember, folks, that we regularly have these listener question segments, so you're welcome to submit questions, whether they're about admissions or financial aid, we're happy to answer them. Um, And one of the easiest ways to do that is through our Facebook account. You can just message us. But first, for our first segment, seniors, have you started working on your essays? Hopefully you have at least your common application essay. The topics have been available for months now. Um, But it is important also to remember that the most selective colleges have supplemental essay requirements as well. So I'll be talking with Amy Alexander, longtime college admission expert, Um, as about the supplemental questions for the University of Rochester and Vassar College applications. Welcome, Amy. Hello, Sally. Thanks for having me. Oh, Thanks so much for coming on. I mean, you really, you're one of the few uh, members of the College Coach staff that has um, as much experience in general as I do, or maybe even a little bit more <laughs> so twenty three um, years
2: twenty three years at it, so yeah, hopefully I know what i 'm doing by now,
1: yeah, yeah, no, I think you do, and I just realized that I actually beat you because I guess you did something else, whereas I went almost straight into admission so twenty yeah, three years I did you. I had
2: another career
1: okay, <laughs> all right, so anyway um Let's dig in. Can you, do you have mm-hmm. the University of Rochester um, topic in front of you? If so, I was hoping you I could do. read it. I, could,
2: I do, and I'll read it. It's, um, I have to say, this is a tough one this year, and it's a little complicated, so I'm really glad you picked this one to talk about so we can help our listeners because there's a different way to respond to this one unlike the majority of supplements. So the University of Rochester, the question reads, University of Rochester benefactor, entrepreneur, photography, pioneer, and philanthropist George Eastman said, the progress of the world depends almost entirely upon education. That's it. So with this statement in mind, Rochester would like you to use your experience to foster positive change in order to make the world, your community, or those around you even better. So that's the prompt. And then you have 250 words to respond. But the interesting thing is they have given you the option to respond in three different ways. Most colleges with their supplemental essays will say, respond. And they don't give you any prompt. They just say, kind of, respond. University of Rochester is allowing you to respond either in very typical essay response, in a creative response, or with a research response. So, you know, we've gotten, I have gotten, I'm sure you have as well, and I'm sure our colleagues have gotten a lot of questions about this one. Well, what's the best way to respond? What do admissions officers really want? And if I do pick creative or research, which is a little different from the typical essay response, how do I do it? What's the best, you know, approach? Um, And this is tough because I think with supplemental essays in general, they really should reflect You, the genuine you, authentic you, you shouldn't respond to a supplemental essay with the idea of what does the admissions officer want? Because if you do that, you're going to get in trouble and you're going to sway away from who you really are. So I think if you're a creative person, pick the creative response. Upload a picture, a video, a performance tape, you know, then they give you a little space to write about your art and how it's tied into making the world a better, the world or your community a better place. If you're more analytical or maybe you're interested in engineering or physics or chemistry or, you know, biochemistry, maybe you want the research response. What research of yours or maybe a known professor or someone else um that you find interesting or intriguing will make the world or your community a better place. If either one of those is not you, you don't jump right to that and say, Yeah, I've got I that's me. I want to approach it that way. I would say stick with this general essay response, doing an analytical or creative or just a typical response. How would you respond to making your community or world better? Maybe you do volunteer service. Maybe you're involved in extracurricular activities. Maybe you have an idea of wanting to do something in the future. Um,
1: I don't know. What do you, When you get this, when you work with students, what, how do you feel about this? Problem? Mm-hmm. Well, I really agree with you that, you know, do the creative or the research, if that speaks to you already. One of the places where I think students get in trouble is they're like, I'm going to do something really Creative And so they push themselves to do something creative, even though they're not somebody who takes pictures. They're not somebody who does videos. They're not somebody who does performances or who does creative writing. If you don't do that already, mm-hmm. now is truly not the time to start. I can't stress and enough, because that's where I see students really getting into trouble They're They push themselves. It's good to push yourself a little outside of your comfort zone, but don't step into like a completely different zone, like a zone that is not you anymore. You know, like don't pretend to be somebody who you're not. I mean, I would use myself as an example. Um, If I had been applying to college to this You know, this would have really spoken to me, but I would have been the last one that would have been able to use any sort of visual medium. I have zero talent in that area. Um, And so, you know, so if you know that's you, it's really fine to just use the essay approach. You know, Mm -hmm. and I think um, but I think one of the things that's important there is to really parse out the question pretty carefully. So remember, it's how will you use your University of Rochester experience to foster positive change. So you do need to talk about the University of Rochester and what you're going to do there. So in that way, it does feel a little bit like a why Rochester, but it's not why do I like Rochester? It's why is Rochester the right place for me to kind of um, use my education to do good things in the world.
2: Yeah, and I think this one does give you, I agree, you've got to include, because they always ask why this college. They Even though Rochester and some others have asked a little more creatively and asked a little bit different, um, it generally does boil down to why this college. That's what they want to know. But I think this one does give you um, a lot of leeway to really incorporate your either creativity or your research capacity or just your background and how you think you're gonna make the world better and, and how will Rochester align, maybe a club or maybe some research a professor's doing or maybe a program and art or a creative writing program or something like that. But I think it is there's a lot of leeway here. And students get very nervous. They have to answer in a very specific way and they really don't. You know, they have to just it's two hundred and fifty words. It's not a lot. So they have to bring themselves into it, and I think in a very short amount of word space. And that's really, really what's most important. Um, the other thing is, you know, and I, don't, um, I think it's important to note that students sometimes will look at the supplemental essay requirements and think, okay, this is it. For Rochester in particular, depending which major interest they choose on the academic tab of the Common App, It will then prompt maybe two additional supplemental questions. So, you know, you listeners that are maybe interested in combined degree programs like medical school or engineering, education, nurse, health and epidemiology or the Eastman School of Music, be careful. You're going to have to write another one that's going to relate to that specific um, dual degree or Dual a uh, combined degree program. So don't think sometimes that you're just done. This is with all of your supplements. Sometimes they hide them in different places, and you really have to make sure you answer all of those questions and those data and academic and um, the, the tabs because sometimes they prompt additional supplements.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. And they'll hide them. They don't have them in the writing section. They'll sort of hide them in just the yeah. questions section. So students aren't expecting them. And then they're submitting their application at the last minute, which, by the way, we don't recommend, you know, and suddenly yeah. they have these other essays to write. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad that you brought those up. Um, yeah. The one other thing I want to add, I know we have to move on to the next one, but the one other thing I want to add about Rochester is,
2: You you know, for students um, listening, it is a medium-sized, you know, undergraduate population. It's about 5,600 undergrads, but there are 4,600 grad students. So it is a research university. And when they're answering that general prompt or the combined degree prompt, they really should think about it as that kind of bigger, broader community. This is not a a small liberal arts college. This is really a a medium-sized research university, and they should factor that in as well
1: hmm How would you have them factor that in? I mean, I know it depends on every student, but I was just hoping you could explain what your point there a little bit more.
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, for, especially for some of these combined programs, they are going to have the opportunity to work with students at the graduate level. They're going to have teaching assistants that are graduate students and be introduced to this. So they're not just going to be dealing with professors teaching undergraduates. They're going to be dealing, a lot of the students, with graduate-level students and graduate-level experiences, publications kind of all around them. So if they're thinking about the broader making their world, their community, um, and they're doing research, for example, they might want to think about some of the things that graduate students are doing or have the capacity to do or engaging with them. Maybe opening their minds and eyes to programs in health sciences that they might not have thought about if they went to a smaller college that doesn't offer that. So just looking at that could be part of their, you know, their application. It might not be if they're interested in another topic, but that it could be and to not hold off on not including that because that's a big part of, of their, um, of their university.
1: Hmm. Okay. All right. Great. All right. So let's move on to Vassar. Not as complicated, but still worth talking about. Um, so what's well, the answer
2: Yeah, it's not as complicated, but you have, they do have to be mindful that there are four, four potential. Now, they're not all required. There's only one required, the supplemental essay, and I'll read that one and we'll talk about it. But there are three other optionals, and we'll talk about whether or not you do that and if it makes sense for you. Um, but there are... Their supplemental essay is How Did You Learn About Vassar and What Aspect of Our College Do You Find Appealing? And this one's 350 words. They give you a little bit more word space, but it's still not a lot. Um, and I think it's interesting the way they asked this one because they want to know how you learned about it. Most of you know, why, the, why this college. Um, and then you can kind of dive into your academic interests or, you know, extracurricular, the setting or whatever. But they want to know how did you learn about us. You know, did your brother go here? Do you um, do a lot of students from your school uh, go here and then go back and talk to you about it? Uh, did you visit? You know, because they are curious. And a lot more colleges um, incorporate what we call demonstrated interest, if you will. Do you sh- did you show up on campus? How did you learn about that? Are you really interested in us or are you just using us for, you know, a 12th application or a safe school or something like that? So this is going to be an important part of the response, and students really need to address that. Um, and then what do you find appealing about us? They're pretty much diving right in. Like, what is it about us that you like? You know, not what academic, uh, you know, major are you interested in? How does that align? They're saying no. What aspect of our college do you find appealing? They want to know why do you like us? Why do you want us? Which I like. It gives a very open-ended uh, response. You could talk about, because it is a small liberal arts college, there's 2,400, 2,450 undergrads, you know, doing research really early with a professor, maybe even freshman year, uh, working with professors directly, not really dealing with, uh, you know, the graduate part of the process. So liberal arts education focus but they also have very strong business and science topics, but within a liberal arts education. Um, What aspect of the academic programs are attractive to you? Do you like, are there certain courses? Are there certain professors um, when you went there or you did research? Or maybe there's organizations or extracurricular activities um, that you like within the Poughkeepsie area. The other thing is maybe it's Poughkeepsie. It's located in the Gorgeous Hudson Valley with huge history, nature, two hours from New York City. Um, there's the Culinary Institute of America, which is in Hyde Park, six miles away. My brother went there. Believe me, you want to go and have a meal there if you can. The Vanderbilt Mansion is a National Historic Site. There's the Franklin Roosevelt National Historic Site and Home. Beacon with art museums, and um, there's a big sculpture garden up there, Rhinebeck, Kingston with lots of B&Bs, the Hudson River is right there. Maybe that's what you find appealing. You don't have to answer this necessarily as just the academic piece. It could be all these other aspects. Maybe you're from Utah or Florida, and you want to experience the Northeast and nature and beauty, and this would be a, a, a great reason, you know? Um, So there's a lot of ways
1: to approach this one, which I like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say I think you made an important point there where you're like you can address it doesn't just have to be academics. But I would say that academics should always be an important piece of it, although maybe that's because of the nerdy schools I worked at. Like at Chicago and Reed, we wanted to make sure you knew about the academics.
2: Well, you know it's interesting? I mean, I worked at the Yale Admissions Office, and I have to say, of course, academics was first and foremost. But usually students address that if there was another supplemental essay or in their main common application essay, or it came through in other ways, maybe their extracurricular activities page. So for some students that were really strong academically, and to be honest, if they're applying to schools where you worked, which I know, Chicago, and, and you know, where I worked, Yale, if they're applying to Vassar, which is a highly selective school... They are strong students. So sometimes I like if they do it in um, a really good fashion, you know, and they really explain it with good writing, um, something else, then I'm okay with it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it can't be fluffy. It, can't be. it has to be like, why? And really uh, thoughtful. Um, and and show kind of depth of of thought and interest and curiosity. Um, and if they do that, I think it's okay um, because they're not saying specifically what academic program. So I think they're they're maybe throwing this out to see what they get.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. All yeah. right. Great. Now
2: there. Are, yeah, there are three other um, optional. And so, let's just go through those quickly. Number two is if you wish to provide details of circumstances not reflected in the application then up, uh, or if you want to upload a resume, do it here. This is kind of like the additional information um, section in, on the writing page of the Common App. I really believe don't do this unless you have something, unless there's an illness, a family emergency that occurred, something really extenuating. There's no need to do that. If you do want to upload a resume that has, you know, much more detail into one, two, three extracurricular activities that you couldn't fit in in those very small spaces on the activities page, I think that's fine. They're allowing you to upload a resume. That's a great place to do it. Um, the third one is an optional photo of yourself to personalize your application. You know, I say, why not, you know, showcase you play soccer or the oboe, or you're giving a speech or you're making a banana bread with grandma. Like, why not? You know, throw something in that's very much your personality that gives you another place to reflect. If you really are opposed to it, you don't have to, and you will not be penalized.
1: Mm -hmm. And And then the fourth section... Just quickly, I want to highlight that that I think you're saying something important, too, about the picture. It's not just – don't just set up a portrait of yourself. Use a picture that does show your personality. I think that's that's where you're going to use that best if you use it at all.
2: Yeah, I agree. And then the fourth is an interesting – not many colleges offer this. It's called Your Space, and it's an an optional additional um, section – Uh, You have to label with your name, your high school, your date of birth. They don't return any submissions due to the volume they receive. But if you have, if you're a cartoonist, if you're a poet, a photographer, you made a short film, creative writing sample, a music clip, anything like that that provides something new or a deeper understanding of one of your extracurriculars that you can't really get across on that activities page, again, why not? Send it. But with that. Do not waste your reviewers' time by submitting something for the sake of submitting it. Like, submit it because it adds, and it's really you. You don't have to do this, and it will not you will not be penalized.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, great. I think, uh, I think you did a really good overview there. So thanks so much, Amy. You're very welcome, and thanks for having me. All right, everyone. So now we'll be taking a short break, but when I return, Alexander Gonzalez and I will be answering your questions.
3: Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in.
2: Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors, but we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors you can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now
0: you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
3: News, News. opinions, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back, everyone. As I mentioned before our break, Alexander Gonzalez and I will be answering questions submitted to us by listeners to the show. Welcome, Alex. Hey, how's it going? It's going really well. Thanks so much for being on the show today. So oh, um, so I want to go ahead and dive right in. So we're answering, just for the listeners to know, we're going to be answering questions from both admissions topics and financial aid topics. So I will be reading off the questions to Alexander that are related to financial aid, and then he will be reading off the topics related to admissions to me, and then we'll be answering them, obviously. So, all right. So um, let's start with the first financial aid question. Um, what qualifies a student for a full tuition scholarship? And this is kind of a hybrid question too, huh? Yeah,
4: it really is. And and, and it's an interesting question and it's a great question. So there's a couple of different um, ways that we can think about this. There are opportunities um, for need-based financial aid. Some of these opportunities will really depend on the schools that you're applying to. So a lot of Um, Ivy League schools or selective schools um, that have no loan or consider themselves no loan um, might provide a family with um, a full tuition scholarship. Um, But really, it looks at a family's expected family contributions um, when they fill out the financial aid forms, the FAFSA or the CSS Profile, and it calculates what a family's need is, and so this could be equal to or close to um, what a full tuition is, and that's what full tuition is, and that could be considered um, kind of around the water cooler as a full tuition scholarship. Um, and so, just be mindful that um, when you're researching these colleges, um, that you're looking at their financial aid page, and they'll be they'll um, those colleges will let you know kind of if they're a no-loan school, or they utilize need-based scholarships or awards. However, there are also colleges that are out there that provide merit scholarships. Um, And I want to make sure the listeners know that, like, that you want to look at these scholarships, or if you're looking for that full tuition scholarship, is that you're not thinking about it in the sense that the student is being rewarded for their academic accomplishments or their extracurricular accomplishments is that they're looking at it in the sense that um, these are recruitment scholarships. And so we want to target those schools that offer merit-based scholarships um, that are maybe target or no problem schools, really these schools that the student meets or exceeds the, the academic expectations. Because typically academics does the heavy lifting, but there are those schools out there that look at kind of a variety or the holistic review of the application um, as part of the, the scholarship application as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, I mean, in admissions, we're sometimes involved with those, and you the way you defined it is exactly right. This For a student to get... A merit-based scholarship, it means that they have to be well above average within a pool, which I like to add to students. This is part of why the Ivies don't offer merit. Like, it's, there's sort of very few students that are going to be exceptional in a pool that's already quite exceptional. Um, so I kind of wonder how University of Chicago is still offering them now that their admit rate is down below the um, admit rates of some of the Ivies. So it's kind of interesting. Um, yeah.
4: Well, and know that in some of those cases, some of those colleges, uh, maybe not University of Chicago, but maybe some of those colleges incorporate their academic um, merit scholarships with their net price calculator. And so do know that you can also combine merit and need in those opportunities as well. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Great. Well, Wonderful.
4: So I have a question for you. Um so um so a student is looking at a lot of schools that are test optional so where the SAT and ACT are optional however there are um there's one school in particular that's on their list that is not so they have taken the test um when do does a student and a family decide whether or not to submit um those test scores to those test optional schools. Um, For example, um, this student has um, a score that's in the 25th percentile of of the school average. Do we submit it or do we go an alternative route? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, good question. Um, And it is tricky Um, just so people know, um, what Alex is referring to when he says the score is at the twenty five percent mark, if you go to a lot of college websites um, or even to the big future website on the college board, if you look up schools when they give when uh, instead of giving you an average test score, typically what they 'll give you is the mid fifty percent range so they 'll let you know where the twenty five percent range is you know the students that um, you know, what are the the, the kind of scores that were at the 25% mark, and then the scores that were at the 75% mark. So in other words, you know, some students, 25% of students were scoring below the 25% mark. Um, Most students were scoring in the middle, but then at the 75% mark, you have 25% of students scoring above it, right? So generally speaking, with a testing optional school, what I recommend is that students look at those test scores And submit them if their test scores are at the 50% mark or stronger. So at the 25% mark, I do not actually recommend submitting them. Um, To me, that feels very, very risky. Um, But once you're at the 50% mark, you're not bringing down that school's average. I mean, one unfortunate – there's many unfortunate things about the U.S. News and World Report ranking – Um, system, this is me editorializing, this is not a college coach position, although I know a lot of my colleagues um, agree with me, but one of the unfortunate pieces of it is that because they rank scores, they rank schools based on average test scores, a lot of schools are very, very mindful of like how test scores, you know, are their test score averages going to rise or are they going to fall? And so, um, so you don't want to bring those test scores down, basically right, the test score averages. So if you're at that 50% mark, submit your test scores. Um, If you are below it, definitely don't. All right, so I will move on. Is this an an
4: opportunity to ask an admissions counselor? Is that something that we might want to do?
1: Yeah, actually, that's a great point. I mean, there is literally no harm in asking. I mean, I think sometimes people don't realize that admission counselors are really there to be your advocates. They want to be in a position to bring in more students to admit, right? So um, especially at schools that are, I would say, moderately selective, but not crazy selective. I mean, I, I remember talking to, you know, I've talked to admission advisors at places like Sacred Heart and Fairfield here in Connecticut where I live. Those admission officers are happy to talk to you and advise you about whether these scores are going to be an asset to you or not. So absolutely no downside to asking worst case scenario is that they don't really give you a clear answer, but it's never going to hurt you, you know, cause they, you, if you verbally tell them your test score, it's not like they're going to make a note of it quickly and like put it into your file and consider it against your wishes. That's not how it works at all. I can promise you that. So that is actually a great question. Perfect. All right. All right. So let's move on to financial aid again. So, um, Brian asked, I'm having trouble focusing on which scholarships to apply for, as there are so many out there and most seem to be need-based. What recommendations do you have to identify and focus on merit-based scholarships that my daughter has a good chance of being granted?
4: Yeah, and I get this question a lot. Um, so where where do we start? Um, so I think my colleagues, I always recommend it's looking at college-based scholarships Um, uh, First, so those merit-based scholarships, are they connected to the college application? Um, In some cases, they might not. And we might look at a general scholarship application. So this is important for students and families to kind of do their research and not just assume that the application is going to take care of everything. Um, So there might be um, general applications. There might be foundation applications um, or department applications uh, for scholarships. So um, where do we find those? It could be on the most likely on the financial aid website. There might be a separate applica- uh, website that might have that are dedicated to scholarships um, as well. And, and do know that sometimes they're connected to the admissions de- deadline, um, an earlier admissions deadline. Um, or have their own independent deadline as well. Um, it, in in some cases, uh, I, especially with the University of um, North Carolina, Chapel Hill, you actually also have to um, apply for the CSS profile um, in order to be eligible for their internal scholarships as well. And so while they not, might not be need-based, that cop, um, Colleges might nudge students to apply for financial aid as part of their um, application process so that everything is available to them um, moving forward. But a lot of families are also looking at those outside or community scholarships. So where do we start? Again, if you go on on a, on a website, a search engine. Um, there are a lot of great ones that are out there, uh, scholarships.com, niche.com, that might create a profile, um, for your student. Um, and then it searches and tries to match scholarships, but, um, with your students, but that can be really overwhelming. So I, I really, um, focus and I was a worked on scholarships. I was a, uh, a manager for a scholarship. Um, I've been on scholarship committees, um, interview, uh, for for scholarships as well, and really where students want to focus on in um, at first is really local scholarships. So local scholarships or members membership scholarships. So these could be um, memberships in terms of. You're you're connected to a school or a school district. It could be the community that you live in, and maybe a community foundation like the Rotary Club or a Quandus Club um, or a Chamber of Commerce. Uh, it could be religious affiliations as well. That you're a member of a congregation or um, an order or, or or something that you have a membership and that's a very broad way of thinking about it um, but it could be even a community credit union or bank um, So what kinds of memberships um, or connections or relationships do you have and then set a goal and my typically I tell families think about it think, think about applying for three to five scholarships that you meet and exceed the expectations. So quality over quantity. You can apply for those, you know, 30 different scholarships and whether or not you apply. But, again, your time is important, and you're going to have a busy senior year. And so, um, especially over the summer, this is a good time right before school starts. You might have that window of time to start looking for those scholarships. And do note those uh, uh, those, um, community-based scholarships, might not necessarily follow the timeline as your admissions applications or your financial aid applications are due. They're going to go in waves. So in the some applications are going to be due in the fall, some are going to be due in the winter, and some are going to be due in the spring. And so so do know that um you want to be organized in this process and identify those scholarships and those deadlines early.
1: Mhm. Okay, great. Okay. Yeah.
4: Um, So admissions question, Um, what essay topics really impress admissions officers?
1: (laughs) So this is is a question similar to your last one that I get a lot. Um, And the thing is, the best essay topics are actually ones that are really personal. So um, it's actually easier for me to give you a few that don't tend to go over as well. Um like one of the big ones to avoid is the triumphant sports essay, the time you made the winning catch, um you know, the time you scored the winning goal. Those tend to come across not so well, right? So avoid those. Um in general topics that show growth are probably going to be your best ones, right? And so You know, I've had students write about, um, I had a student who wrote about not making the golf team in his sophomore year after having been one of the best players in ninth grade um, because he just got completely in his head and choked during the tryouts. Um, And then really like having to sort of reckon with why did he do so poorly and realizing that it was because he hadn't been enjoying the game and had become about winning. And so even though those phrases sound cliched, he he told a whole story about, his, uh, you know, with all the details that you want to hear in a story about, like, sitting on a couch and brooding and feeling like he couldn't enjoy golf anymore and then coming around to it, realizing that, you know, going out and just playing with his dad, enjoying that and, and you know, realizing what had been missing and why he had choked so badly. And then going on to make the team again in 11th grade and then even in 12th grade become the captain and using that his own experience to help out the ninth graders when they started to choke because they were too much in their own head. They had forgotten that they really are just doing this because it's fun because they've always loved golf. So that's one example of a great essay. Another example, I had a student who wrote about her bus ride home. She'd been going to the same to school on the same campus from ninth grade through 12th. And, um, She rode the same route, and so she kind of talked about how this bus ride home was her chance to reflect on her day, but also reflect on her community and what she saw around her. Um, So, you know, these essays can be very, very different, um, but there's not one topic that works. Oh, and I will say another topic to avoid in general are topics about mission trips overseas overseas. You know, when a student goes to Mexico to build, you know, um, a church or um, a shelter of some sort or a school, in general, colleges would rather you reflect on, you know, sort of the fact that there's a lot of need close to home. So, um, So I would avoid, you know, essays about mission trips as well. All right. So we have to take a short break now. Um, but when we get back, Alex and I will continue answering listener questions.
3: Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of
0: sports?
3: Ask the experts. Call toll free right now. 1 866 472 5787. And ask our All Star team to answer your questions. That's 1 866 472 5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You are listening to Getting In a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back, everyone. So, Alex, on to your next question. Um, So a question from Santiago said... Um, two kids, two years apart. Will disbursements from a grandparent's 529 for kid number one affect the financial aid for kid number two?
4: So this is this is a great question. Um, a lot of grandparents want to help out with paying for college, um, but how does that affect um, a student's financial aid award? Um, so this is an interesting question because, so, Having them two years apart, so let's say their student was a freshman. Um, they, when they filed the FAFSA, um, they were looking at the income from two years prior. And so, in the student's junior year, this is when the financial aid impact um, does a, potentially could affect the financial aid package if it is need-based aid that is. Um, the, the student is utilizing, but it's not necessarily going to affect the second student. It's actually going to affect the, the first student in the sense that distributions from a grandparent 529 plan will be reported as kid one or the, the, the older student as untaxed income um, from the year's Prior. So the amount that the student used within their freshman year will actually show up as student income in the, in the junior year's uh, financial aid package. And so this is something to be aware of. There is um, some income protection allowance that, that, um, students, um, that students are granted, so it's a little less than $7,000. Um, and so you want to make sure that you're mindful of what you are using and how it's impacting your financial aid in the future. And so I recommend utilizing the school's net price calculator or an ESC or an expected family contribution calculator that can kind of look at how these um, um, how the five twenty nine plan can impact um, a student's financial aid package going forward. However, with the question, the second child won't receive, won't, the income of the first child won't affect um, the second child's financial aid eligibility. Okay, great.
2: So a little
4: little complicated. Um, always check. Um, calculators are a great resource.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, question for you, so should i should I write my oh my own letter of recommendation, or sorry, who should I pick to write my um, letter of recommendation
1: okay, all right, great, so this one is complicated and it does kind of uh, stress students out or I should say it isn 't complicated, but it can be made complicated. Um, it's very simple, really. It should be somebody in and who's taught you in an academic subject, right? So one of the five main subject areas, meaning English, history, math, science, and maybe a foreign language. A few schools don't prefer foreign language recommendations, but most schools would be fine with that. Ideally from the junior year, because that's when you're going to have been at your most advanced academically. Um, now, where it can be... Uh, be kind of complicated is that students often come to me and say, Yeah, but I want my DECA, you know, I want my business club advisor to do it. I want my coach to write one, you know, those sorts of things. So, those um, they are those faculty members are not teaching you in a class, and the recommendations are specifically usually asking for a teacher recommendation letter. So those are not going to work for that. However, some colleges will allow a supplemental recommendation letter. You know, they'll just put it on the common application. It's listed under other. And then that's a perfect place to add that. Now, if they don't allow that, one of the things that I recommend to students is remember that most of the time you're also going to be asked for um, a counselor recommendation, you know, from your college counselor. If that's the situation, then they can actually often include a lot of information that's broad, you know, that's from other faculty or advisors in the school that are not teachers. That's part of the job when they're writing your letter of recommendation for you. So, um, so remember the teacher recommendations have to be from academic subjects. And by the way, when I say academic, I don't mean business classes either. Even if you're applying into a business program, honestly, Your math grades and your math performance is more predictive of how you're going to do in a business class in general than a a high school business class. They tend to be quite easy. I'm sure there's exceptions to that, but in general, those classes are easy and they're considered electives. So um, colleges are not as interested in that. Now, one exception to the rule that it has to be from academic teachers is let's say you're applying to art school and you have a recommendation from your AP studio art teacher. Obviously that's going to be a good idea, right? So again, if you're applying into one of these conservatory programs, you're applying for a bachelor of fine arts, um, then a recommendation from an art teacher will actually work really, really well. So, all right. So let's move on to your next question, Alex. Oh, and I wanted
4: to add like, there is a place for those letters or recommendations, but it might be with scholarships as well. The scholarships might be um, a little bit more flexible, so it, it doesn't hurt to ask those kind of the, um, those like a coach or or somebody outside that might help um, provide some context, but maybe for for community-based scholarships.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's great to know. And I had no idea about that. I worked for schools that were very strict, did not want to hear recommendations from coaches, but that's really good to know. Um, All right. So this question is from Karen and she wrote, my son starts college in two weeks, two weeks, and we're short on funds. How do we find scholarships? Ouch. Like is what I, she didn't write ouch. I'm saying ouch.
4: (laughs) Any ideas for her, Alex? And and we get a lot, right now, you know, crunch time, um, the bills are due. um, uh, Well, and some colleges are even starting in the next couple, well, in two weeks, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what can we do? So in some cases, to buy some time, um, it might be that you are um, making sure that you, well, looking into seeing if you're, college has a payment plan. So this can help with reducing potentially late fees. Um, It's a strategy uh, maybe utilizing some income um, to stretch that uh, bill over the semester or quarter um, and and to find some additional solutions. Um, Another place is that if you're looking for additional funds um, to supplement maybe books or supplies or personal expenses or those travel expenses that you're anticipating coming in, is that a campus job might be a great opportunity. Um, So this could be work study through um, your financial aid package or through the college as well. And these could be a variety of different places, anywhere from um, food service, to working in a library in the computer lab um, with a professor even or a, com- a student group might provide um, a job um, for a student that is student focused, so you are you have the opportunity to really work um, your work schedule around your school schedule um, versus working for an outside, Um, like restaurant or outside entity where you might be um, working around your work schedule versus your your class schedule. Another option is uh, potentially loans. So there are opportunities that you could still access um, student loans, and those could be um, the Parent PLUS loan, so a loan that the parent takes out that has the ability to fill the, the gap, uh, between the cost of attendance and the, the financial aid that was awarded, um, there might be some state loan programs um, that your student might be eligible for. Um, so explore your state. You might not necessarily if you're if you're attending a school out of state and you're not a resident, you might still be eligible for that that program. Um, and then there are private student loans that can help supplement um, supplement that. As well, um, some opportunities or, or some places to compare those those private loans uh, might be Magnify Money and NerdWallet will kind of give you um, an opportunity for you to compare and contrast some of the different rates, different repayments, some of the safety nets that are connected to those student loans. Um, and you have the ability to kind of shop around um, for for those student loans as well. But in okay. terms of scholarships, um, for utilizing them in the fall, there's not a whole lot of opportunity. But there are a lot of opportunities moving forward for undergraduate scholarships that you could take advantage of.
1: Okay. And, Alex, unfortunately, I have to cut you off there. So, um because we have to we have to finish up now. But thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. Okay, and thanks to Amy Alexander as well. Now I want to tell you about our show next week. Our host, Beth Heaton, will be interviewing a University of Pennsylvania alumna interviewer for tips and strategies to bring into your interview. Beth will also be talking about how to fill out the activity list on the application for maximum impact. And last, have you seen the term FERPA, F-E-R-P-A, F-E-R-P-A on the common application under the recommenders section. Well, Beth and a guest will be explaining what that is and how it is used in the application. And finally, I want to remind you that you don't have to listen to our shows live. Every show is accessible 24-7 on the Voice America website. And you can also download every show for free on iTunes. You can look through our archives for shows with topics like Do I Have a Chance of Getting Into an Ivy League College? And also, if you like our show, do us a favor and be sure to rate us on iTunes. It takes only a moment of your time and is absolutely free. And don't forget, we're here every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. So check us out.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Getting In.